Let me pray. Lord, uh, take this time and make it your own. Uh, uh, speak, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, let me just check. The last of, uh, of three parts to this, to this class on Les Miserables, obviously. The movie is coming out on Christmas Day. Um, a lot of us have known Les Miserables for... 20 years, 25 years, I don't know when it came, I guess 25 years ago, it's the 25th anniversary. Uh, uh, so it's not new, certainly the book has been around for, for well over 100 years. Uh, but sort of a new thing with the movie, I just thought it would be a neat vehicle to put together a three-week class. Um, still kind of talking, let people get settled. Next week, if you're interested, there's lots of good classes going on right now. And here I'm going to do one more class, not on Les Miserables, but on uh, just some Christmas things. Um, listen to some Christmas uh, hymns, carols, probably, maybe, I haven't done this yet, pick up some art, maybe some fun writings on Christmas, I think it's Christmas readings, hearings, and seeings, or something like that, um, but also upstairs, there'll be lots of good things, um, I know Frank Limehouse is going to do a class on the Christmas Collect, so there'll be a lot of Christmas kind of themes, if you're interested. So, now that everybody seems to be here, and Alan, thanks for doing the lights. Um, one more clip from the movie. It's about a minute long. Um, as, uh, as I mentioned last week and just uh, a few of us were chatting earlier in the movie, the, the sort of the, the critical new thing that the movie has done is uh, that the actors and actresses are, are singing live. They're sort of acting. They're singing as they're acting. Um, evidently, that's a new thing. When John Travolta and Olivia and john were doing this, 30 years ago, they sang it in the studio and then just came out and lip-synced. Um, they're not doing that. So it gives the opportunity for that for that in vivo thing, that live thing, for them really to kind of get into their parts and, um, and, and act while they're singing. So um, I think that'll either make or break the movie. Either it's going to be really, really bad or it's going to be really pretty powerful if you're at all into these, these sorts of things or these sorts of themes. I'm opting for the latter. Uh, uh, or I guess I'd say the, yeah, the latter. I always get that backwards. Um, uh, and here is, we're not going to go through this song again. It's the one we looked at last week. Let me move this because you probably won't be able to see. It's Hugh Jackman. Um, I just forgot it. What, is he, what was he in? The, what has Hugh Jackman's role been thus far? Not the Avengers, but X-Men. Which, Wolverines, yeah, which I hadn't seen. But, you know, totally different role for him. Uh, and now he's Valjean, and this is him singing Who Am I? It's a one-minute clip. It's not the whole thing, just to give you a taste of what's coming on Christmas. So it's different um, than a lot of the 
the uh, the soundtrack that we've gotten so used to. You know, he swallows the line at the end, rather than you know, sort of the soaring heights. That uh, that's going to be inviting, I think, to those of us who are overly familiar with it, because it's going to bring out, as I heard one person say, the fragility. One of the actors said that, um, the fragility of the um, of the moment. I think uh, all an attempt, hopefully, to convey some power. Um, I do think. Uh, It'll be affective. Um, there'll be something here. This, of course, was the song. One of them we looked at last week, sort of the second part of Javert's conversion, where he fully sort of runs back to who he is truly, to see reality really. Um, that's what we looked at last week. Um, rather than running away, you know, Jean Valjean must be nothing more, um, which he goes away from at the beginning, and then he curves back. Uh, in that simul justus et peccator piece that I said last week, where he rec- reckons with himself and his God truly and says, no, I am both Jean Valjean and 24601. I am this, this mishmash of motivations and realities and, uh, and sin and, 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 and redemption. I am all of this and yet so much more. And I think he gets that. You see sort of the quickened pace where he's sort of breathless as he's singing um, that sort of inner, um, I didn't mean to talk about all this, so I need to get off this track because we're in a hurry, uh, that inner conflict that's going on. I mean, he's obviously got sort of on this side of his brain, it's thinking one thing, and on this side, it's thinking something else. Um, and I think it conveys it pretty powerfully in that little one-minute clip. So I'm looking forward to it. Let's um, think a little bit further Uh if last week we looked um, at, uh, it's what my college, you know, religion class at Sewanee wanted to call, you know, in the world religions, the comparative religions part, Christianity, um, Christianity as a uh, as a system, as a uh, as a philosophy. For Michael Sansbury, um, it's an inside joke. It's not Michael Sansbury doesn't think Christianity is a philosophy, by the way. Um, I don't know what he thinks about Christianity. Michael, why don't you come up here and talk? To that, that Christianity is the movement not from vice to virtue. That's what world religion wanted to tell me when I was 18 and, and in an undergraduate college. And that's not it at all. Christianity is not the movement from vice to virtue, where we in this room are somehow substantially better than everybody who's not in this room, because they're all idiots and sinners, et cetera, and so forth, and we're, we're the good guys. That's not it. I thought that was funny, but obviously it wasn't. Um, uh, That's not it, and that's what most people want to think. Christianity is the movement from vice to virtue, and that's what its religion and its religious intent is all about, and it's so big, um, even amongst a bunch of Christians, and they're all dead wrong, and I have a lot of compassion for their their error, but I think it's a very harmful heresy. It really is cruel to keep Fitzsimmons Allison's phrase on the table. What is it then? Um, it is the movement out of virtue and into grace. Um, I'm tattling that. I didn't make it up. I heard it from Rod Rosenblatt. He didn't know where it came from either, but I latched onto it as soon as I heard it. Christianity is not the movement out of vice to virtue. It is the movement from virtue to grace. So it's not a religion in that sense, and I think that's what Les Mis is, um, or any good story about redemption is. And one of the themes, sort of the sub-themes anyway, that I've been trying to chase a little bit, and we'll see it clearly today um, with the finale, is uh, this idea that we can schematically, and I spend most of my time doing this, and it's got some real shortcomings, schematically line out who we are as, as individuals, who God is proper, who Christ is, who the Holy Spirit is, and sort of look at all that and make a sense out of it, and I'm way into that. That's dogma, and there's a huge, we need to put a lot more dogma 
into our lives than what we normally live with. Um, but to speak about what it's like when life is lived in real time, really, and truth is apprehended truly, um, that's best approached by a story, by a metaphor, by an apprehension uh, which approaches something else. And that's what I think Lamez does so well. It's not this movement from vice to virtue. Um, it's a movement of being apprehended and dealt with, not by what, um, who I am and what I've done, but by who another is and what that other has done. And I think that's the play on words I'd like to kind of keep on the table. Not who am I and what have I done, but who is another and what have they done? Because then it's all out there and it's not in here. And that is so completely good news when that is the true truth that it's not what's um, in here, but what's out there. Who is another and what have they done? Then we have hope. And that's what... Um, uh, that's what Les Mis, that's, the, that's, what, that's some of the tension that Les Miserables wants to pull out. So to that, um, probably the, the coolest song, at least for the men in the room, uh, is Confrontation. Um, we're going to look at that one a little bit uh, to see Valjean and Javert, the, the, the two guys, the antagonist and the protagonist, as I've called them, um, uh, are, are, are going at it. Uh, to set the scene a little bit, um, Fantine um, has just died. Uh, she's in the room, in fact, and... And, uh, and Valjean, the good guy, so to speak, just promises to Fantine when he finds out that he's partly at least responsible for her death because he, 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 he kicked her out, um, allowed, allowed his foreman to kick her out of the factory, that she then turned to a life of prostitution and, and, and now she's, she's dying. Um, but her young daughter, Cosette, uh, is being kept by the cruel Thenardiers. Um, Valjean learns of all this and he promises to her on her deathbed, um, I will guard Cosette as my own. I will keep her as my own. Um, then uh, Javert um, busts into the room, the detective Javert busts into the room, and they confront one another. It's where I got the title for the first class. At last we see each other playing, we see each other face to face, um, climbing back into this idea that to see reality really and truth truly, um, and to see everything, even that ability to see things truly, because that's the gift that Valjean is given that Javert does not see. Uh, to see things as they actually are. All of this, uh, the Bible, I want to too much to say. I want to say some, some, some of the soaring parts of the New Testament. And certainly that's not to say the Old Testament doesn't either. Um, uh, because there are places, there are other scriptures where I could, could argue against this. But, but where I come down, um, say out of 1 Corinthians 4 or Ephesians 2, that's my scriptural underpinnings here, that all of this, even sight and faith, um, belief, is itself a gift from God. What do you have that you did not receive, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4? Even belief in God or the ability to see ourselves and who he is truly. Um, and this, uh, that we know that we are saved by grace through faith, this is itself a gift from God so that no man may boast. That's what he says in Ephesians 2. All of this is from God, and that's what Valjean now knows and what Javert does not. And that's why Javert ultimately is the most tragic figure in the whole story because he is in a relationship with God and does not know this. And so I'm trying to create some tension here at the beginning with confrontation to then we're going to fast forward and, uh, and spend some time at the end of the story um, to, to consider um, Javert and his redemption, etc. and so forth. So, confrontation. Um, Valjean is, uh, 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 has his charge against Javert. Believe of me what you will. You know nothing of the world. He's saying, I've been given 
um, the gift of seeing things as they actually are. What a strange thing to say to the cop who's seen the underbelly of the world, etc., and so forth, that you don't know anything about the way things actually work. Because um, Javert's fixed system, which he's also going to say, is men like me can never change, men like you can never change. Every man is born in sin, and every man must choose his way. The, uh, the idea here is that Javert, working on the natural religion assumption, like my undergraduate professors would have wanted me to believe that Christianity is, that we've been given um, the opportunity, we know the law, we have free will, go at it. You know what you're supposed to do, now do it. You know, just make it happen. Um, uh, every man is born in sin, but every man must choose his way. We're all created equal. Um, we all have equal opportunity. So, so you know, if, if, uh, if life gives you a lousy hand, somewhere it's your fault. Make the best of it. Figure it out. Um, I think that's fundamentally wrong. I'm just putting that out there in sort of plain language. This is the confrontation that they're about to have. So let's just watch them and then see what we come up with. Thanks. Fantine just died. So that's confrontation. I bet I'm not the only person in the room that's done this. I don't know why I'm telling you all this, but my, this is my roommate in college. He, he really made me do it. Um, we used to turn the stereo up really loud, and I'd be one and he'd be the other. Um, 
And we really did it just to make the person, I can't remember his name, but we thought he was just kind of a weenie. And so we just did it really loud because he would take something and like bang on the thing. And we thought that was hilarious because he was a Kaisai, actually. So, you know, that's what it is. Anyway, <laughs> what happened? So, um, I always wanted to be Valjean, so, but I always got to be Javert. Now I wish I was Javert. <laughs> Um, so confrontation, it goes on. Uh, the backfill of the story, and I mentioned this, uh, and the movie will play this out, I'm pretty sure. Um, we don't learn anything else about Javert, really, his context in, in the play. But we do in the book, and I think we will in the movie to some extent. Um, uh, as a counselor, as a psychotherapist, you could do some analysis here. He's, he's, he's running from his past. He's running from his parents. He's, hey, he's angry. He's hatred. He's, he was born of gypsies, you know, an illegitimate child, a bastard. Uh, he would call himself that, and he thought it was just a mark of shame, an absolute, uh, uh, absolutely marked him uh, wrong. And he wanted to choose a way actively, which was completely its opposite. And so its opposite became absolutely right. And so the rigid system of Javert was cast before he was even born. And so that's the passive power of the context, and that's going to be a tremendous theme um, moving forward. What a, uh, you know, this, 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 this power of choice, this supposed choice that we want to have. So that's confrontation. I want to keep that on, on the table a little bit. Um, with the law, with Javert, um, comes its unfeeling nature. He, he creates this rigidity, this system of the law. This is right and this is wrong. Every man is born in sin. Every man must choose his way. Uh, and he just doesn't, uh, he doesn't have any capacity for an emotion or a feeling other than the pursuit, the blind pursuit of what he would describe as justice. I and mean, time is not going to allow us to do this. But just to highlight one place where this shows up, um, it's very similar. Remember in the movie The Fugitive um, with Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones? Probably was in the old one too, I don't know. Um, where Harrison Ford gets the drop on him. They're in that place before Harrison Ford jumps off. I don't know what the context is that he's doing this before he jumps off the waterfall. But he's got, he's got um, Tommy Lee Jones, the cop, in his, uh, uh, to a gun. And rather than shooting him, he wanted to, uh, to explain himself. Um, and he says, I didn't kill my wife. And do you remember what Tommy Lee Jones says? I don't, I don't care. You know, <laughs> the law has no, it doesn't care, has no feeling. It just it doesn't care. And that's Javert. He doesn't care. And especially when, when, he, when, when Fantine is arrested uh, and he says, but I didn't do this. Here's this guy. And this is what happened. And this was, I don't care. I've heard such protestations for 20 years. You're going to answer to the court. You know, away with you, that's just, that's the way it is. The law and its demand is always unfeeling. It doesn't care. It has no mind to our context. And we want to have that for everybody else. I think it was Joe Gibbs preached a sermon on this recently. Threw it out really well, and and this has been repeated a thousand times, but it bears repeating 10,000 more. Um, Whenever somebody else lies to me, of course, what is it? It's a lie. And it was offensive, and they should have known better, and they shouldn't have done it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But when I lie, well, you know, you got to understand where I was coming from. It's complicated, has a context, and this happened, and this happened, and this happened. When we set this up, you see, it's the law doesn't care when it, I'm offended. Um, you know, that's all it was. It just was a lie. But when I'm out, suddenly the context shifts so softly. Backfill that with the story of Javert, some of what we talked about last week, where um, when a context was turned and suddenly 
he was assaulted with that coup de grace, where his rigid system, which had no capacity to see mercy, um, uh, mercy trumped judgment. Um, and when he was given back his life, when it should have been taken, uh, and then on an impulse, and he wasn't even aware, it seemed, that he did it, he said, okay, then you can go and save Marius. That's what the change was. When mercy begat mercy, and he wasn't even aware that it was happening. When, so let me back up, and that's an important thing to say. When Javert was given back his life by Valjean, that didn't change him. That started it. That was the seed. But what ultimately, why he ultimately wanted to commit suicide and die was in a moment of weakness, is what he would say. Uh, when Valjean was pleading just one more day, let me take this man on my shoulder, Marius, um, this unconscious man, and take him to his safety, and then I'll come back and you can do with me whatever you want. And they start yelling again like confrontation, and you almost lose it. Uh, Javert says, fine, go. And this, that's the undoing. That's where it was. As subtle and as almost lost as that, that's where um, Javert's life was really ended. He couldn't absorb that into that rigid system, uh, and so he, he had to swallow it. When mercy began to beget mercy, uh, it even surprised him to the point that he couldn't, um, he couldn't find a place for that. So I want to hold that because it's going into this last part. The unfeelingness of the law. Scrooge is here, by the way, too. Um, I just reread that this week. Remember at the beginning of the story, um, uh, and the two men come around saying, hey, would you like to give some, some money uh, for, you know, for the poor, uh, especially this time of year? And he says, are there no workhouses? Are there no, no prisons? Let them go there. Um, and then later that comes up to, uh, to haunt him um, when later he was shown mercy through the spirits uh, and saw things truly. Um, he had a change of heart. It was different. That's the operation of grace on Ebenezer Scrooge. So fast forward. Let's go to the end, to the finale. Contrast the unfeelingness of the law. Um, I didn't shoot my wife. I don't care. I've heard such protestations for 20 years um, Plead to somebody else because, you know, talk to the hand. Is this isn't going here. Um, we, we look at something else. Um, let's look at a, uh, now as a life lived as Valjean, which um, actually wasn't a life of peace. Um, he retains that simul Eustace at Picard. He retains that part where he's still um, diseased and lacking peace because both men, Javert and Valjean, remain very driven. Um, throughout the story. That's where Hugo's wisdom really plays out. It doesn't become so saccharine as to be unrealistic. Uh, He he didn't have a life of peace. He felt this need to protect Cosette, what we would call a helicopter parent. I mean, he was was ten times the helicopter parent to Cosette. Um, Both men didn't know peace. Both men were driven by two different motivations, but both men were driven. Um, Finally, towards the end of his life, when he, he ultimately says, you know, I'm going I'm to give them up. Give up Cosette and give up Marius. Give up Cosette to Marius as he then began to love Marius for no reason except to love him. Except for no reason except because out of his love for Cosette, he began to love her since she loved him. Um, he swallowed wrongful accusations. Marius said, uh, you know, I'll have no part of you because he heard half the story that this man was a convict and he never told me, and so he's obviously a liar and a duplicitous cheat. Remember the unfeelingness of the law. And so they get married, and Valjean's not there. Instead, he goes home utterly alone and isolated, and he starts to die. Um, 
fast forward, uh, uh, not give a lot of that background because it's so complicated. Uh, they find out, Marius and Cosette, that, that uh, Valjean, in fact, saved Marius, and, uh, 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 and they come for him. So we're going to pick that up towards this last end and, and watch Marius's, I'm sorry, not Marius, Valjean's prayer at the end, echoing, bring him home, where he prayed for Marius at the barricades. Now he's praying to himself, bring me home, his sort of prayer before he dies, praying to the Father. It's a real tearjerker. Um, uh, so I'm going to falsetto. It'll be interesting to see how Hugh Jackman does that. And then, um, and then the finale. I'll fast forward just a little bit where uh, uh, there's Valjean dying and then Fantine, the dead Fantine, comes out um, and starts to, uh, uh, to talk. And then Eponine, who's also dead at this point, comes out and they um, are sort of a voice of the, of the church that has already gone on. Theologically, it's a little bit wiggy here, where they're sort of leading him back to heaven. It's not the way it works, but it works in the um, in the musical, in the play, uh, and then all of the students and everybody else who's died except for Javert in the story comes forth for the final um, chorus of "Do you hear the people sing?" sung now, not as a political sort of rallying cry to uh, to to fight at the barricade, but beyond the barricade in the world yet to come. Beyond the barricade, there's something else. And in all that is the phrase, um, to love another person is to see the face of God. We'll see what I do with that. So, <laughs> so here's this. It's going to be a few minutes. Um, let me get my cues. 209. Thank you. 
too much. Oh no. It's the That's Fantine, Fantine.
so um try to wrap this up uh, here's the problem I have with the last line I'll just go there um, to love another person is to see the face of God at least the last line before the chorus joins in um, I, I looked in the book and, and it's least not Hugo didn't say it at least there I don't know much about Victor Hugo at all he may have said it somewhere else in the other 1500 pages but but at, at Valjean's death he didn't say it um, and I, I have a hunch he didn't I think that's just it worked well for the text um, for the for the play and here's why I have a problem with it I think initially I have an allergy just outright a conditioned allergy it was a bias um, that uh, to see the face of God is, is, is not considered a good thing, typically, scripturally speaking. To see the face of God meant certain death. Um, in the instances where, we, where one was allowed to behold the glory of God, they either did die immediately or it was somebody like Moses who was allowed to see God pass by. Um, and even then he had to hide in the cleft of the rock, you know, sort of, a, you know, the krypton was there and you had to have the lead. And even then you could only see the backside of God. Um, and so that's the initial allergy I have to behold the face of God. Secondly, um, in an active sense, to love another person, I think, begins to try to, to create a false equation. Because as 1 John says, 1 John 4 says, God is love. That's where we get that. Um, it, the, the opposite is not necessarily the same. Um, love is not God. It works in math. 2 plus 3 equals 5. 3 plus 2 equals 5, but in division, it doesn't. Um, you know, it's the same sort of thing. It goes one way. There's a one way. God is love, and the equation goes that way. When we try to back it up actively, we, uh, we, we cheapen it so much that we call something, we just make a completely wrong label. Remember, one of the points of the whole play, and this is why I have a problem with it, this last line, is to see truth truly and to see reality really. And so to love another person and to say that, you know, my love of Hughes is somehow, you know, this is, there's God right here. You know, it just doesn't, that doesn't fit right in experience and in, in, in concept, anything else. In the passive sense, if you want to put it there, um, you know, like I catch a cold, I fell in a hole, I've fallen in love, you know, that sort of stuff where it just sort of happened to me. Um, you know, I've fallen in love. Even then it just reduces it to sort of a saccharine sort of maudlin, you know, Hallmark card. So I just kind of have a problem there. It doesn't stand up to the rest of the, the score, the libretto, um, the words of the play, uh, where I think it fits the rest of the play. Stay again in 1 John 4, where, where we get the word God is love, to retain the passive position that I'm always sort of, you know, I feel like fighting for. But that's okay. If, uh, if, if people remember me and say, he's always saying we need to be passive, um, I would think, well, at least I started to communicate something. Um, the passive position of 1 John 4:19. We love because he first loved us. We love because we were first loved. Now that seems to me to be the stroke of grace, the coup de grace that the story really stands for. Um, Javert's life wasn't ruined. Valjean's life wasn't ruined. And Thenardier doesn't stand as the enigma of the whole story because they loved because they sort of struck out and said, I love you. Now my whole life has changed. It's the opposite. They were loved. They were in the passive position. And they were loved completely out of left field. They were assaulted. They were arrested. They were murdered 
by love, by the bishop to Valjean, of course, and then Javert was loved, assaulted, he would say, by, um, Javert would say he was assaulted by the love of Valjean. That was the stroke. And so if it was said something, it doesn't fit, there's no rhyme here, um, rather than to love another person is to see the face of God, to be loved by another person is to behold um, the, the face of God, the magnity, the, 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 the magnanimity, and the, and the glory of God. Now, that's something I can climb in on within the host of heaven coming forth and, and imploring us. Um, will you join in our crusade and stand, you know, turn your, your swords into plowshares, etc., and so forth, and have the weapon uh, be the one of love? That's the real assault. So, there's lots more to say um, that... Uh, I could have, probably should have, um, but I think I'm going to stay there um, just because of time. And uh, Well, I'll say this because I promised it, and I'll do this in 20 seconds or less. And that includes Javert. Now, this is where I get really controversial um, because somewhere where if Javert uh, has to stand outside of redemption just because he didn't love correctly, I think much of the Bible then begins to stand on a toothpick. Um, but if Javert was loved, uh, and it was an arresting love that upended him. I think that's that gets us to the, the depth of, of, of Romans 8, for instance, um, of uh, nothing shall separate us from the love of God which is in Christ, um, including and most especially our own uh, context of being born to gypsies or, uh, or whatever else. Now that obviously opens up a whole host of... Uh, Issues, um, which you could call in the Pelagian, semi-Pelagian um, controversy uh, that was chased for so long. But, you know, that's why this is a fun story, because it brings all that right to um, to the head. Uh, uh, am I saying Javert is, uh, should be in heaven? Not at all. Um, not in any way, shape, or form. I am saying that it's it, it, should we say that Javert is necessarily in hell? That's what I'm saying, no. We have no warrant for that. It leaves everything to God. Now that's 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 my that's my place. It leaves it to God. Um, it doesn't leave it to me. Our evidence is uh, limited. God's activity is unbounded. So with that, gosh, I meant I really tried to leave some time for everybody to make a comment, but um, sorry. Let's pray. <laughs> Lord, take this uh, feeble words and make it your own. Um, speak truth uh, and correct my error, Lord. Where most certainly. Um, I was wrong. Uh, Lord, I, I, I beg your forgiveness and that it would not be retained. Um, use this story for the benefit of your grace being reckoned uh, in our lives. I beg this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, y'all.